When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. CLNS's Patriots coverage is powered by our exclusive wagering partners at betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome bonus. Good evening, everybody. A late edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on Patriots Press Pass. Evan Lazar, Alex Barth with you on this Monday night. And Alex, we have been thrown off a little bit by the schedule here this week for the Patriots practicing later in the afternoon at 3.30 start time to practice yesterday and today. We'll also be in the stadium on Tuesday for a 3.30 practice as well. But I wanted to start with the quarterbacks as we normally do because I thought today in terms of A, reps against ones versus ones, right? Starters versus starters. And B, that situational two-minute at the end of practice was probably the first time where we've seen a live two-minute drill in practice so far in full pads. So a turn up, I would say, of this quarterback competition in general of situational football, which we know third downs, two-minute red zone, a lot of what's going to come down. That's what this quarterback competition, I think, is really going to come down to when it's all said and done. Both QBs can look good between the 20s, throwing balls against the scout team defense, right? But what happens when we line up the ones versus the ones and go into it in a situation where Bill Belichick shouts out, okay, uh, offense, you're down by six points. You have to drive the field to score a touchdown and, and kick the PAT to win the game. You got a minute and 55 seconds one timeout, no timeouts, whatever it has to be. Let's roll the ball out and see what happens. And that's sort of what we got at the end of practice here tonight. We did, and it was a good mix too. You know, this is a kind of related but also separate takeaway from today's practice. For the last three sessions outside of that Friday walkthrough, which is kind of its own thing, Right, Mac Jones heavily, heavily, almost two to one, out-repped Cam Newton. Yeah. Cam Newton had the edge today in, in volume 17, 14. Yeah. Mac Jones had the higher completion percentage, but. Oh, okay. So it, Mac was getting all the snaps, right? We were talking about, okay. It, some people thought maybe that was him running away from the job, but for the most part, it was okay. They want to get him the reps now. They want to give him the. Oh, Cam's the guy and there's not going to be reps, right? Yeah, well, today it really felt like, hey, let's give both these guys the same situation. See who's sure better. Did. Today yeah. didn't, and I know Bill says that the teaching period, and he calls the beginning of camp the teaching period. I know he says the teaching period is done once the pads come on. 
today really felt like a like competitive an evaluation that's the word i'm looking for today really felt like an evaluation and not instruction absolutely and, and belichick before practice mentioned we got basically two more training camp practices if you will today and tomorrow and then they're going to really start to get into a, what a game week is going to look like right? right in terms of this week against washington maybe not so much we're still kind of in training camp mode next week they have the joint practices with the eagles but it sounds like they're going to really try to and you know, fake install game plan sort of, right? And, and sort of take right. the team through that process. So today it certainly felt like in full pads, live contact situations, like you said, the, the competition kind of began today. And I'm not just talking about the quarterback position, right? We're talking about every position across the board. And it was so interesting to see Cam versus the starters, then Mac versus the starters, then Cam in a two, or Mac in a two minute, then Cam in a two minute. And that really, as you said, made it feel like they were pitting those two guys against each other today to really see who is going to come out the other end. So let's discuss what we actually did see. So I mentioned that Mac also took some reps against the starting defense. He was four of seven with a drop. So I guess you can call it four of six against the starting defense. Cam Newton was six of 12 with a drop. So six of 11 and an interception by Adrian Phillips. Uh, do you want to start with Mac or Cam? Which, which one do we want to start with today? Cam's thrown first, most of Cam. So let's let's go with the pattern the Patriots are going with. Let's start with Cam. All right. So I thought that Cam made three really good throws in this practice. One of them was early on against the scout team. I'll get to that one in a second. The first one was obviously that wheel route to James White with Kyle Van Noy in coverage. Really yeah. well placed ball over the shoulder, drop it in the bucket type of throw. That that play looked really well done by cam right you notice that you got a linebacker on james white uh, they had the matchup they had the single high safety in the middle of the field not going to be a factor let's float it up there and see if james white can make a play on it and that's exactly what happened the other throw that i thought was really nice was actually on the surface a wide open throw and, and that was early on in practice i believe this might have been again against the uh, scout team as well johnny smith broke open in the middle of the field it looked like some sort of a coverage bust in the middle of the field and johnny smith was wide open but cam was looking down the right sideline on his first read in the progression johnny smith was running up the left seam and he was able to get off of his first read and see johnny running open in the middle of the field and hit him for a touchdown so uh that throw was a, a really well uh kind of time throw right of actually getting right. to the backside of the progression quickly and being able to read that out that that bust was happening and see that and make that play instinctively that wasn't a first read type of throw that was a throw that he had to be able to innately see on the field and see that there was some sort of a situation going on over there with the coverage and be able to beat it and then the third throw that I thought was nice, it was also early on in practice. Uh, Kendrick Bourne was crossing over the middle. I believe it was Anthony Jennings who was going to try to light up Kendrick Bourne. Not, not literally because we're in practice, so they're not actually going to light the guy up. But he, instead of leading him into Anthony Jennings, Cam kind of threw it a little bit behind Kendrick Bourne and sort of protected the receiver from the hit coming over the middle. So, again, a lot of those throws I think that we're seeing, I, I don't know if Cam – makes 
that those first two throws I mentioned, the wheel route to James White, which was perfectly placed. I'm not sure he makes that throw, and I'm not sure he gets to Johnny Smith in the progression last year. Yeah, and there's been throughout camp, I just think there's chemistry. There's, you can call it timing, you can call it whatever you want to call it. Cam never had the kind of chemistry with any of these receivers last year, outside of maybe Jacoby Myers, that it looks like he's building. I actually thought with Johnny Smith, I uh, sorry, with Hunter Henry, I thought he was building really great chemistry with Hunter Henry. Henry obviously didn't practice today. He's been banged up. Doesn't sound like it's anything overly serious, but there's other guys too. Kendrick Bourne, Johnny Smith, like the play you were talking about. I think that there's just, he's on the same page as these guys, which he wasn't last year. And that can make a difference. That can absolutely make a difference. Yeah. So then that's the good side of Cam. And, and I feel like the good is still heavily outweighing the bad, but we talk about the good and the bad with everybody. So we're continuing to talk about it with Cam. I think the what you did see, the interception was the interception, right? He threw it a little bit behind Johnny Smith. Adrian Phillips was in a really good position to make a play on the ball. And he's able to step in front of Johnny Smith and pick it off, right? And, and those are the types of right. throws that you definitely would like to You'd like to see Cam throw the ball away, scramble, do something else with it, right? Then try to force it. But those types of plays happen. In well, an NFL game. So here's why that one was interesting to me. There was a play last year, Evan, I think we fought about this play a ton where oh, I want to say it was against the jets, but I'm not positive. Yeah. Yeah. Devin Asiasi open in the flat. You know what play I'm talking about? And he kind of lobbed it to him. Yeah. Just zipped it to him. And I think, did it end up being intercepted or it was incomplete on a third down? It was some sort of consequential play. Anyway, similar route. And Cam zipped it. I mean, he that's one of the hardest throwing balls I've seen him throw all camp. Now, Adrian Phillips read it incredibly well, reacted quickly, got in position, picked it off. But I've talked about this before in the show, too. An interception, sometimes you need context to that. There's completions that are bad throws. There's interceptions that are good throws. I'm not saying that was a good throw, but, hey, he figured out how to read that play and make the throw. He wasn't doing that last year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And the other throw that I thought that he he just missed, and look, you're going to have some of these just misses too. But he had Nikhil Harry on a deep post pattern. Nikhil Harry, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and we're going to talk about Nikhil a little bit later on. Nikhil Harry blew by Michael Jackson. He actually ran right by Michael Jackson and was wide open down the middle of the field on a deep post pattern, and Cam just overthrew him. He just overshot him. And I think that those moments, the interception, the overshot ball to, uh, to Nikhil Harry, that should have been a touchdown, th- that, those are sort of the, the next step type of plays, right? The consistency, right, of every throw being a good throw, every decision being a better decision. You're seeing a much better Cam Newton, but I, I, I think that 11 training camp practices in, as you would expect, there's still a ways to go before – it gets to the point where I I am comfortable with saying that Cam is all the way back, right? I, I think he's right. certainly better than he was last year, uh, but and light years ahead of where he was last year mentally. But in order for Cam to truly be all the way back, especially that throw to Nikhil Harry, I, he's got to have that one, right? I mean, Nikhil yeah. is, is wide open behind the defense for an easy touchdown, and he just leads him too far. And uh, Harry tried to make a diving catch on it, but just even he wasn't long enough enough to to get there so that that's the type of throw there that that was a layup a a deep ball layup and you got to have that one it's a wide open three right you know you you got to be able to make those 
Yeah, and that's, you know, Summit Camp. And Nikhil Harry's bailed him out on a couple of them. He's actually made some really good catches. But it seems like there was a period where he had those touch throws going early in camp. But you're starting to see a little more of it that he did last year where, you know, they're at the five, six, seven yard line. He just needs to drop one in, rainbow it into the back corner, and he throws it two rows up in the stands. You're starting to see a little more of that again. Yeah. As opposed to the beginning of camp where it felt like he had that touch pass figured out. Yeah. All right. Let, let's move on to Mac. And I think the big caveat with Mac, and we're going to talk about the two minute drill anyways, but we'll, we'll, let, let's talk about the two minute drill first. And then let's talk about the big caveat. All right. Make two up minute, your mind. Two minute drill. I know I'm all over the place. It's late. Uh, two minute drill, Mac Jones, the twos against the twos, right? Mac Jones is running the, the, the backup offense versus the backup defense, but he goes four for four with four very on-time, on-target passes, caps it off with a beautiful back shoulder ball to Marvin Hall, where, yeah, it was Justin Bethel in coverage. Justin Bethel's a special teamer. He's not a starting corner in the NFL. But that ball could not have been put on a platter any better for Marvin Hall than where Mac Jones put it. So in those situations, and we talk about situational football and how important those moments are for Bill Belichick. Well, Mac Jones passed the test tonight with flying colors going four for four in that two minute drill and really just driving the offense right through the scout team defense. And and he's also throwing to Marvin Hall, right? And Gunroshevsky. So as much as you want to say it's against the backup defense, it, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I was going to say, like, I, if I can do 15 seconds on Marvin Hall, he had, before that catch, he had a couple of really bad drops. Did I say this to you or not? I said it to somebody. I don't know. Marvin Hall is store brand Ted Ginn. That's kind of what yep. he, it feels like. And, you know, let Gunner, Gunner's coming along. Gunner's coming along as a wide receiver. Let's, Marvin Hall, it, it speaks to how good that throw was because here was a guy who was clearly struggling today. He, for whatever reason today, he couldn't catch the football and Mac put the ball. He spotted it so perfectly that Marvin Hall had no choice, but to catch it. Right. So as much as you want to sit here and say, and this is the caveat I was talking about, it's the backup defense. It's the scout team defense, right? But there, he's not going up against JC Jackson and John Jones and Dante Hightower and all these players. Although he did go up against those guys at times in practice and went four for six with a drop. So you factor all those things in with this two minute drill equation. But at the same time, I, I, I don't know how I feel about it, honestly, because he is throwing to Marvin Hall, not Nelson Aguilar. And he is throwing to Matt Lacoste or, D- or David Wells or whatever, and not Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, right? So he's turning these other players around him into very good players all of a sudden against the scout team. And he's doing exactly what you would want to see your first round quarterback do against the scout team, which is light up the scout team, right? You want to see your first round QB go four for four and lead the offense right down the field and score a touchdown against the scout team defense. And that's exactly what Mac Jones is doing. So I, how do you hold that against him? He's doing either putting him out there against the scout team defense and he's making plays that that's exactly what you want to see. Right. I mean, if he wasn't doing it, that's reason for concern. You can't hold it against him. The other thing is, and, you know, you have to know what you're talking about to be able to do this. But there, it, not not to, you know, I don't mean that to be derogatory. It's just that if you really know what you're looking for, 
there's things you can evaluate regardless of the defense and frankly, regardless of the wide receivers, right? Things like ball placement, the defensive back's going to be in a spot. Okay. Marvin Hall didn't beat Justin Bethel that bad that he was all alone. It, things like footwork doesn't matter who's on the field. Your footwork's your footwork, right? The command right. at the line of scrimmage scout team might be the scout team, but they know where they're going. They're all in the right spots. It's up to him to recognize it. Who the players are doesn't matter. It's how they're aligned. There's things you can, like, just because he's facing the scout team doesn't mean you throw those reps out. You know, if right. he's facing the scout team and I, I, you, there's certain things he does in there that are valuable. I'm not going to, like, okay, so he beats so-and-so with a back shoulder throw. All right, that defensive back probably didn't know how to get in position. But ball placement, footwork, command at the line of scrimmage, doesn't matter who the defense is. Those are important elements of the quarterback's game, and you can evaluate Mac Jones or Cam Newton in the same setting up against the scout team defense. Those aren't just total trash reps. It's not. Yeah. People act like going against the scout team is going against air. It's not. You're going up against NFL football players, and I don't care if you're the 90th man on the roster. The 90th man on the Patriots roster is a hell of a lot more talented than the random guys on the street people think they are. Yeah, Those reps mean something. Yeah. So the other thing I, I wanted to mention was that throw that he had on the goal line to Christian Wilkerson, where he felt pressure off the right side and he was able to just sort of step up and elude the rush just a little bit. And he kind of almost jumped past it and, and sort of threw it to Wilkerson on a little under router, uh, kind of like a, an in cut five, you know, short yard, three, four yard in cut right on the goal right. line. And you just see the every once in a while. And this, I, I actually, I wouldn't see, even say it's every once in a while. I'd say once or twice a practice, we see this innate ability by Mac Jones to move around the pocket, right? He's not a scrambler. He's not fast. He's not Cam Newton in the open field by any means, but he makes these subtle movements. And, and what I wrote in my notebook was when we had the other quarterback down in Tampa up here, the dude down in Tampa, as I, as I called him, okay. right? When he was up here, those types of little movements in the pocket and just that little sidestep or that little kind of climb in the pocket and move to your right. We used to lot them for those, right? Tom Brady, right? That That's the right. Brady pocket magic, right? And I'm not comparing Mac to Brady, but I am just saying that those moments are exactly what you see out of Mac Jones is that he just has a feel and an ability to make those little quick twitch movements inside the pocket to maneuver around the rush and then make the throw. So that played a Wilkerson Wilkerson beat Mike Jackson inside on the goal line for a touchdown. Mac feels the rush coming off the right side. He just kind of bobs and weaves up a little bit, gets outside the pocket just a tad and then makes the throw. Boom. That, 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 that's exactly what you want to see. So I, I see a lot of that with Mac as well, that ability to just move within that like six by six box in the pocket, right? It's not necessarily that he's getting out and he's scrambling or he's Russell Wilson and he's running all over the place. It's just that little bit of quick movement in the pocket that's allowing him to avoid the rush. And he works the pocket extremely well. Yeah, there was one down in the red zone. This was a little more than just shuffling in the pocket, but there was one play down in the red zone. It wasn't during the two-minute drill, but it was competitive 11s, and he rolls out to his right, and, I mean, everything's covered. So he's waiting. There was some maneuvering in the pocket. He rolls out to his right, 
starts redirecting Christian Wilkerson towards the sideline. Wilkerson picks him up, goes, and just a beautifully placed ball. Not an easy catch for Wilkerson. He has to come back to it and dive, but that's where you throw that ball because the, de- the right. defender's right on his back, and you throw it low. Either Wilkerson's going to go down and dive and make the catch, or it's going to be incomplete. There's no chance the defender can make a play on that ball. That was that throw. I mean, that's the kind of thing like you talk about where those are the kind of plays that Tom Brady made that made this offense go, that made this specific offensive system go. And it was really refreshing. And that was back-to-back plays, actually, because the play before he'd rolled the other way, and it was a bit more exaggerated of a scramble. But you see him, like, redirecting receivers and stuff, too. That goes to what I talked about before, the confidence, all of that. But, yeah, that was one of those throws where, you know, there's a lot of talk about how mobile really is Mac Jones, how athletic really is Mac Jones. He's not going to give you what Cam Newton gives you in the running game. But he's not a statue either. He there, he can make the little movements that extend plays, and that, that matters. That makes a difference. Just great at the details, right? Pocket manipulation, even just watching him out at practice, and I know everybody's going to be like, Evan, stop it. But even watching him throw screens out at practice to the running backs, right? The fakes, the the footwork on the screens, the the way that he throws the ball, uh, kind of just the whole thing just looks smooth when he does it, right? Whether it's a screen pass or a downfield throw, mechanics in the pocket. Uh, you love to see these types of things, especially from a, a, a young quarterback. And I am really excited, and, and this has nothing to do with, with benching Cam or anything like that, but I'm really excited to see even if the plan remains to start cam at least to start the season if the patriots especially next week when we get into the joint practices in philadelphia give mac more and more opportunities against the starters because if he goes out there and he performs like he does against the scout team and he's even close to that good against the starters then you really start to get excited right so i i think that you have to evaluate him against the starters a little bit more moving forward. That doesn't mean you have to take the job from Cam Newton, but it's just important, especially this time of year, because once you commit to Cam as the starter during the regular season, practice is going to be heavily Cam Newton's practice, right? You're not going to, if you're starting that quarterback on Sunday, you're not going to work out Mac Jones the same way that they're working him out in training camp. So now's the time to give Mac those reps against the starters. I mentioned he threw seven passes against the starters today. Uh, Let's see it happen more and more and more. I think because they got to see, they got to see what they have in him already. And maybe he's even better than they kind of expected at this point. Yeah, I I think the joint practices, I've said this before, I've gone on this rant, I won't do the whole thing. I think the joint practices are it. I think that's the ultimate decider. I think we're really going to, you know, he's playing well, and that's nice, and that's great, and it's not nothing. I just went on that whole rant about don't dismiss scout team reps. But the joint practices are really going to tell us where this kid is yeah. at. Because the Patriots only have so many defensive calls in their playbook. And... The same goes, I mean, this goes for everybody. This isn't just Mac Jones. You face your own enough and you start, you can pick up on patterns. You can pick up on habits. You can cheat a little bit. Let's see when he faces something he's truly never faced before. And let's see how he looks then. That's kind of the next step and a big step for Mac Jones. Yeah, a really fun practice for both quarterbacks. I thought both quarterbacks played pretty well today, but just the intensity and sort of the, the, the coaching kind of took a step back a little bit today, especially late in practice when Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, you could really tell they, they sort of just McDaniels was relaying, relaying plays in the headset like he would in a game and he, and they were not coaching. 
right? There was no cards being held up. There was no hand, hand, you know, hands-on coaching. It was really live, two-minute, roll the ball out and see who, what, the, what the players can do. Let's evaluate ourselves 11 practices in. Similarly to that, as we move off, to the court, move off the quarterbacks now, we can start talking about the defensive linemen, I think, had a really nice practice today against the offensive line, Alex. We got a live red zone goal line run period, right, where they tried to punch it in from the two four straight times. The defense stopped them on three of them, three out of four. I, th- I think that group out fr- up front is really starting to make some headway on the defensive line in that core group of guys, uh, Guy, Godshaw, Anderson, Wise, and uh, Barmore, obviously, with the sixth guy, Carl Davis really starting to solidify himself, I think, as somebody that's at least in the early going. I keep saying that it's really not that early. We're we're halfway through. Halfway through, yeah. Well, it's it's early and it's not. It's early and it's not. Because we haven't had a game yet. But Carl Davis is, I think, definitely playing his way onto the team. Bill Belichick spoke about him this morning or this afternoon before practice and said he fits our system. He's having a really good camp. I think that he's trending towards making this team. But uh, that three for four for the defense was really impressive. Nick Thurman having a couple of plays in the backfield as well. Yeah, he has. And I'll I'll tell you this. I just really wish we could see more Christian Barmore. He's dealing with some sort of injury and he's been on and off the field. But when he's out there, man, nobody, nobody can block him. None of these veterans can block him. You want to talk about scout team reps? He's going up against the presumed starters and dominating as a rookie. I will, we'll see what happens with the injuries and it's certainly cause for concern, but yeah, a lot of these guys are off to hot, hot, hot starts. They kind of have to be. Because Christian Barmore is coming for, for their playing time. He looks every bit the part of a true three-down game plan terrorizing nose tackle. Yeah, he had a rep against Alex Redman in one-on-ones, and I know Alex Redman's not yeah, exactly Redman, tracking I, I, There's scout but, team, and there's I, – I don't – I try to be very positive. You know me. I try to be very positive about everything. I don't know that there's a player that's had a worse camp than Alex Redmond. He got put on absolute skates by Christian Barmore in a one-on-one rep. And Barmore just got in the, you know, got his hands inside to his chest and just straight power, right? Got and knocked him back. And you see with Barmore the hand strength, he's got really, really heavy hands. And, and he's a big dude and he's got good explosiveness and, and good power. And all of these things, it just, I don't know what it was. I, I don't want to speculate because I, I really have no clue why he dropped out of the first round. But this is a guy, as we've seen in every single practice that he's been at, and even when, like today, he kind of was in and out, right, a little bit because of the injury that he's dealing with. We, we just hear so much, uh, you see so much of Christian Barmore just absolutely dominating the opponent at times with hand usage, strength, uh, explosiveness off the ball, speed to power, bull rushing ability, but also some finesse moves as well. There's just so many things going on that I really, really like about Christian Barmore. And it just, it continues to be a head scratcher to me how a guy that talented falls out of the first round, but the Patriots are the beneficiaries of it. Well, so some of it was, he's a very scheme specific player. I think that there are certain teams that as talented as he was would have had to rework their defense for him. And I don't know that there's a player in the draft that that's that good. There's players in the league that are that good, but nobody in the draft is that good. 
Right. I, I, some of it too. And I mean, he played through a lot of it, but he was banged up at times in college. And so now you're kind of seeing it. And that's probably, I, I still thought he'd be a back end of the first round guy. I thought, you know, a team like, well, before the chiefs paid Chris Jones, I thought that was a lock, but um, yeah, no, they, there's a reason they moved up to get him. There absolutely is. And we're seeing it. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to circle back real quick to two more guys on the defensive line. Henry Anderson has been great. He had a very good day today. Yeah, he had a very good day. He's in the mix heavily. He also had a great rep. I think it was against Yadni Kajus, if I remember correctly, uh, that uh, just put Yadni Kajus absolutely on skates, uh, similar to the rep with Barmore and Alex Redmond. Yadni Kajus probably not making this team based off of what we've seen through 11 practices. But yeah, I know. Uh, Henry Anderson, though, really strong, really stout. I mentioned Carl Davis, who I think is going to be a sneaky guy to make this roster kind of a dark horse guy. But between that core group, this is just an immovable object. Like there are just times, and then you start throwing Judon uh, on the edge there, on the strong side edge. Would they be the unstoppable force in the offensive line would be the immovable object? Yes, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You don't want your defensive line to not be able to move. Well, no, they're just, they're very difficult. I know what you're saying. with you. Keep going. It's 10. Okay. So Devon Godshaw, Lauren, it was from going left to right, right? Or left, right. right, Whatever. Devon Godshaw in the middle, Lawrence guy, Matt Judon. And they tried to run it at that side off the left side of the offensive line. And it just went nowhere. Like just nowhere, right. you know, it just, they literally did not move guy, God show or Judon an inch off the ball. And we're talking about Isaiah Wynn and Mike on trying to move those guys down the field. And it just did not give an inch. And you just look at this group up front and as a, as a trenches guy, you just absolutely love these battles, right? Like you're, you're getting Wynn and Onwenu and Mason and Brown and Andrews. Andrews wasn't out there today, but Karis, if it's not Andrews or James Ferris, who's actually had a, a decent camp so far, but that, that's a sidebar against this defensive line. And it is just this is real football, right? Like this is big boy trenches football. And it's just, it's great to see out there in these padded practices. I I'm like giddy talking about it. Yeah. You know, I little, little brief Patriots breaking news here. Tomorrow's practice at four instead of three 30. Oh, wow. Um, Thank you. No, I, I think this defensive front's going to be special. We've said this since March, they had one of the worst groups under Belichick last year. And, you know, they, some of that was injuries. Some of that was opt-outs. They, it kind of just piled up on him. But they, he, Bill Belichick came out and he overcorrected this year. If there's one thing I can tell you for sure about the 2021 Patriots, they will not be run on. They will win in the trenches. They will not be run on. Bill Belichick made sure of that with his offseason acquisitions. And you're seeing that play out now in training camp. Absolutely. All right. One more defensive lineman to talk about here for me, and then we're going to move over to some of the skill positions because I know that everybody likes that a little bit more for the most part. Dietrich Wise, I thought, had his best practice at camp so far today. Uh, he had a sack in 11-on-11s working with Dante Hightower in sort of a pig play. Uh, he beat Isaiah Wynn in one-on-ones, and that that's not easy to do. Isaiah Wynn doesn't lose a whole lot of one, of pass protection one-on-ones right like that's sort of his bread and butter uh he beat him clean with a rip move right around the edge i I, he signed a four-year 20 million dollar or 22 million dollar deal something like that and you kind of scratched your head just a little bit 
I think, on that deal and, and said, wow, Dietrich Wise getting some paid, you know, some good money by the Patriots. Uh, today, it, he was a very, very good player out there today. And uh, you start to, started to see some of the um, unblockable reps from Dietrich Wise, and, and you like to see that. And uh, this whole group is sort of just coming together. But he's a player – very good hand usage, good length, obviously, and uh, good experience in the system. But today was his best best practice so far. Yeah, he didn't. I, I don't know that he got off to the start, especially after that contract that maybe you'd like to see. Anybody who heard my Felgren Maz appearance last week right. knows how I felt about that. But yeah, he's had a, a few really good practices here. And he's always kind of been a guy that, uh, you know, a game day player. He's always been a guy that looks better on game day than on the practice field. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I can't qu- quantify it for you, but I I feel like every year Dietrich, like this is the first year we're not talking about Dietrich Wise maybe being cut, right? That was the thing every year where Dietrich Wise was like the hot cut of camp and then he never got cut and he'd show up in games and you'd be like, why were they going to cut this guy? So obviously with that new contract, he avoids being, you know, the, the hot cut this year. But yeah, he's always been a guy that's kind of, you know, turned up the tempo once you get a little closer to the season. So maybe that's what's happening right now. Yeah. Good practice for him. Uh, do we want to go JJ Taylor and Nikhil Harry? I'm leaving it up to you. Um, either way, I get to plug my roster projection. I posted this morning on 985thesportshub.com. You can check that out. I had both of those guys off the roster. Uh, I, that, that's sort of why I wanted to talk about it. Okay. Uh, we, we talked oh, a lot. You read my roster projection. Thank you. <laughs> we, we've talked a lot about Nikhil. Let's talk about JJ Taylor, who I thought okay. had his best play of camp today. The seven on seven catch from Mac Jones, little wheel route down the left sideline in between two players, uh, two defenders in coverage. It was on the far side of the field. So I, I didn't see who the two defenders were, uh, but Mac dropped it in there. JJ Taylor made a nice, nice catch. That was kind of the moment that we've been waiting to see in practice from JJ Taylor, especially as a pass catcher coming out of the backfield, right? Make an explosive play as a pass catcher. You got guy, even Sony Michelle made a big play in the passing yeah. game today from Mac Jones in the two minute drill so jj taylor finally makes a little bit of a play there he has been working closely with both punt returners and kick returners in practice but i wrote about this today as well in my notebook and you wrote about it on your roster projection they got six running backs right now right Right. and brandon bolden's not going to get cut so that you're guaranteed i think those four guys maybe ramondre stevenson ends up catching a you know the Foxborough flu here at some point just because Ivan Fierce has talked about how far behind the eight ball Ramondre Stevenson has been but if you put Ramondre Stevenson on IR before roster cutdowns you better hope that you have good health at the running back position all year long right right? you know Sony Michelle Damian Harris are going to have to stay healthy for the entire duration unless they're going to run out of gas or they're going to run out of depth I should say so I think that there's almost a guarantee that those five guys are going to make the team. The only exception might be Ramondre Stevenson getting completely redshirted and ending up on injured reserve. But assuming those five guys make the team, you also have to factor in the fullback a little bit into just numbers game, right? And if Jakob Johnson's going to make it, especially with Dalton Keene going on IR, you got to think that there's a pretty good chance that Johnson's going to make the team now. So are they going to carry six running backs, seven backfield players? Is there a spot for JJ Taylor who hasn't exactly had the best of ca- or, or really the flashiest of camps? I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's necessarily been terrible or anything like that, but he, today was the first day where he really made a play, 
that said, oh, wow, there's J.J. Taylor. Now, the other thing about this is, is that Ivan Fears has talked about in the past that J.J. Taylor is a game player, right? He's a gamer. The light comes right. on in the game for him. So maybe we talk about Friday morning when we do the podcast after Thursday night's uh, preseason game against Washington. Maybe J.J. Taylor has a huge game, right? Maybe J.J. Taylor has a huge game against the Eagles or against the Giants. And that's the J.J. Taylor game. And that's the J.J. Taylor moment. But right now, so far through 11 practices, he's basically made one notable play the entire training camp, and that was today. I mean, I would say Ralph Webb had a game too. Um, Right. I just, you know, has J.J. Taylor played well enough to get on the roster? Yeah, absolutely. More than 53 players have. That's the thing. It doesn't exist in a bubble. Maybe the Patriots keep six running backs with J.J. Taylor. Maybe they keep six wide receivers with Nikhil Harry. Maybe they keep four in the tight end room with Jakob Johnson because that's where he fits in. Are they going to carry six backs, six wide receivers, and four tight ends? Absolutely not. You can't keep 14 players between three posi- between those three positions. You just can't right. do it. So th- that's where this gets tough, and that's what it comes down to. I-, I think a lot of it is Harry or Taylor. Those two guys might be fighting for one spot. It, it-, it could be very well the case. you got to remember that these positional battles we talk about some of them are actually more just ultimate roster battles and they exist across positions. Um, you know, you could throw in the seventh or eighth offensive lineman here. It could be that guy instead, JJ Taylor. Do you keep an extra guy on the defensive front? Is this Rashad Berry's spot? Is he competing with JJ Taylor? Right. There's all these different ways to go with it. And it's not that JJ Taylor hasn't played well enough. It's that there's probably 10 to 15 guys in my mind. I was thinking about this yesterday, Evan. Actually, let me ask you this, because I'm going to go through and research it and actually figure out the number, but I'm going to workshop an idea here. Picture the March Madness tournament, right? Okay. Certain spots, you know, 64 spots in the tournament. They're all obviously up for grabs, but some of them are given. Your your conference champions, et cetera. How many reels? And then there's the at-large spots. How many at-large spots are there on an NFL roster? What I mean by that is all 53 spots have to be earned, but two spots are going to quarterbacks. I'd say at least three are going to running backs. At least two are going to tight ends. At least four are going to wide receivers. You see where, right? You see where I'm going right, with right. this? Yeah, sure. How many, how many true at-large roster spots are there on an NFL roster? Because those are the spots, J.J. Taylor, Nikhil Harry, the, the, Giacob Johnson, those are the spots these guys are fighting for. And it's it's less than you think. It's not a lot. Especially it's not on none, this, but it's not a lot. Especially on this roster, I think maybe when you really start to whittle it down and, and sort of look at it that way, right? That you just presented, which I think is a cool way to look at it. We're talking yeah. about maybe five right roster spots that are truly up for grabs because you got all these free agents and all these veterans that are under contract that have guaranteed money on their deals. All these guys are making the team, right? We just talked about Dietrich Wise, whether Dietrich Wise had a good camp or a bad camp, he was making the team, right? Cause they gave him guaranteed money. So another squad, right? Another example, I think is to go back to the March madness example, the winner, I don't know what's a really bad basketball conference. Um, the, the the big sky is that even still a thing i don't know the winner of the big sky is not one of the 64 best teams in college basketball but they have an auto bid so they're going to make it right now either juan williams or michael jackson is going to make this team because right. the patriots need the numbers that's right. the big sky or, or maybe it's an external option but that's the big sky of the roster you get what i'm saying like yes that that spot yeah jj taylor's been better than than juan williams and michael jackson 
but one of those two guys is going to make the team because the numbers dictate it. That's not JJ, you know, that's not JJ Taylor's competition. Right. I I just when I look at JJ Taylor, I I think that we all love the idea of JJ Taylor, right? He's the, the a lot of people thought that maybe he had the potential to be the successor to James White. He looked really good in the games last year when he did get in there, showed some bursts, show, showed some elusiveness. I do think he's got some kick return ability. I wouldn't put him back there on punt returns, not that they would anyways with Gunner on the team, but I I don't know if I'm so if I think he's so safe there, but he's definitely safe I think in terms of having some ability to to return kickoffs. And I think that in these preseason games, he's going to get some opportunity to be back there. But if you're going to make the team as JJ Taylor, like you mentioned with what five truly at large roster spots, as you put it, and five running backs that are definitely solidified on the roster, unless something funky happens with the Rondre Stevenson, you're going to have to have a heck of a summer right? Like you're going to have to go out there and ball out in training camp. And, and we're just not quite seeing that from JJ Taylor. So I, I hope that, that that is coming for him because I do think he's a good football player, but at some point it's going to be difficult for him to make the team. And uh, then you do wonder, uh, they had a, well, who was it? DJ Foster a few years ago right. that, that a lot of people thought the same thing uh, about that. And maybe he is a DJ Foster and he's not a James White, right? Like not, not, right. A, there's not a whole, a whole lot of James Whites. So, or maybe like a, a Danny Woodhead would be sort of a better comparison for JJ Taylor because James White is a little bit unfair expectation. Right. So uh, any, regardless, it, it needs to come faster for JJ Taylor. He needs to have some bigger moments, I think, to make this team and solidify that spot on the team. Um, so before, I just real, do you want? I just did the numbers real quick. Do it on at-large spots. So you tell me if I'm too high or too low on any of these. Okay. This is not the Patriots. This is any NFL team. I think two quarterbacks minimum. Right? We agree right. on that. Three running backs minimum. Four wide receivers, maybe you could argue three, but I think four minimum wide receivers. You're not keeping more than two. You're not keeping less than two tight ends. You're going to have two tight ends, even though the right. Patriots kept one. That was ridiculous. Um, no fullbacks. I think seven offensive linemen is the minimum. You're not going to see a team keep six on the 53. Maybe right. six active on the on the game day 46. Um, five, just assuming three, four. Five defensive linemen, your three starters, backup end, backup tackle. Six linebackers your four starters backup middle backup outside four corners three safeties kicker punter long snapper any of those numbers an issue to you no i I think that's pretty accurate right i mean how many corners did you mention three three corners yep or no four corners four four corners. corners yeah okay yeah then i'm good with it okay so that that means there are 39 um auto spots on the roster there are 39 spots that those are not to be won in between positions. Those are purely in position. For the let's say for the sake of the Patriots, Matthew Slater, Cody Davis, Justin Bethel. You had three more. We'll call them right. special teams. Okay. So then that brings you up to 42. There are 42 spots on the 53-man roster that cannot be won outside your position. That means there are 11 spots that the Patriots we'll call them depth spots, at-large spots, depth spots. There are 11 spots where the Patriots can say. Regardless of position, let's just keep the next best 11 players. Right. And that's those are the spot. But, you know, a guy with the depth at linebacker, 
a guy like Juwan Bentley might be in one of those 11 spots right now. Let me go, let me go back and look at this here. So with right, Brian Hoyer's taking up one of those spots right now. Cause he has sure. to th- keep three quarterbacks because of COVID Brandon Bolden's taking up one of those spots right now. Nikhil Harry's in one of those spots right now. So is Christian Wilkerson. If you have him making it, Devin Asiasi's in one of those spots right now. Um, I think maybe Carl, Carl Davis, certainly if he makes it is yeah. in one of those spots right now. So you basically have 11 spots to figure out what you're doing with those, with, with those extra players. And that's where JJ Taylor fits in. So a little yeah. fun, fun with numbers there. If anybody could follow any of what I said, it makes we need a whiteboard. That. We really do need we a do. whiteboard because then we can draw plays. We can draw up our little diagrams here that we get into. And Alex can draw up all of his math. And uh, you can see the the crazy come out with all the, the things that Alex texts me about and says, how about this idea? And I'm did that like, make any sense? Did, honestly, did that did. make any sense? It did. It did. Okay. I'm just teasing you. All okay. right. I, I want to talk about two more players before we wrap this up. Nikhil Harry and Adrian Phillips. Let's talk about Harry for a second. And I mentioned it earlier on the uh, throw to Cam that Cam kind of overshot Harry on in the deep post. And I kind of made this joke already, but I'm going to make it again. Nikhil Harry blew by an NFL cornerback. Now, I don't know if Michael Jackson's a true NFL cornerback, but he's, he's had, you're going to roll your eyes team. at me at this. He might make the team. He's had two decent days here. I don't know that he did anything yeah, before he this. Has. He had an interception, two pass breakups yesterday. He had a pass breakup today. Yeah. It's two days, but if if there's a time to pick to get hot, heading into the first preseason game is it. So It is saying. starting to click a little bit more for Michael Jackson, and I would say it certainly clicked more for him on the whole than it has for Juwan Williams, right? Yes. Like It, it yeah. definitely looks – he looks a little bit better than Juwan Williams does in these practices. Regardless, Nikhil Harry – blew by Michael Jackson. And then he also beat Jalen Mills in one-on-ones earlier uh, in practice on a nice comeback route. We're sort of getting, stacking these days together where we're coming on the podcast and we're saying on on uh, Sunday, we didn't have, we didn't do the show following the practice on Sunday. On Sunday, he had the diving catch, right? In one-on-ones on Juwan Williams in the corner of the end zone on a ball from Cam lays out, makes a beautiful catch going out the back of the end zone. The day, the padded practice before that, which I believe was Thursday, he had a huge practice. I think he had like five or six catches in team drills in that practice. So we're just continuously seeing improvements from Nikhil Harry. And just at this point, it's not even improvements. It's just, stacking the days together, right? Of every day being a factor out there. And I just watched him run some routes today, even just uh, on routes that he wasn't getting the football. And you see a much more explosive athlete, especially coming off the line of scrimmage. He's actually moving off the line of scrimmage now, right? You know, right. like he's actually gaining some steam and and gaining some explosiveness off the lo- off his release, which is really good to see as well. I get that Mike Jackson and Juwan Williams aren't Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. We'll we'll see if you can do it against that level of corner once the games really start. But I and look, I'm a guy that's always been a believer in Nikhil Harry, so maybe I'm not the right guy to ask. But at the same time, I I want to keep him. I think the Patriots should keep him because I do not want to see. He's starting to put it together. Who are you keeping him over? I'm just saying he's starting to see it together, put it together. And what's going to end up happening, I'm telling you now, is they're going to trade him and he's going to end up playing well for his next team. But that was always, that's going to happen regardless. That's because they've used him wrong. It's on, we've talked about this. It's on them. They didn't use him correctly. They've held him back. He was always going to play well in the next spot. He's going to leave soon. You don't necessarily have a roster spot for him. Sell high. 
Now's the chance. You're going to get more for him now so than the you ever will. Is how much can you? How much does a team, another team, one of the other 31 teams, really read into all this training camp buzz with Nikhil Harry? And and how much does that really inflate his stock? Now, the team that they're going to play against next week in joint practices and preseason games, the Philadelphia Eagles, they drafted Devontae Smith. They drafted Jalen Rager, right, the year before that. They still kind of need wide receiver help. Right. So if he has a really good practice, a couple practices in Philly, then maybe the Eagles are a team that comes calling. Uh, The Giants, I think, have an okay receiver depth, but something's telling me that they could use another receiver as well. They tried Kelvin Benjamin and he didn't work out. Right. Right. Receiver in theory. These are teams that maybe they'll see Nikhil Harry up close and personal. Washington doesn't necessarily need receivers. They got a couple of good ones already, but these teams that are going to see Nikhil Harry, in person, right? Maybe right. they will start to read some of those tea leaves and, and and read some of the press clippings and say, "Oh, it might the light might be coming on for Nikhil Harry." I, I just I don't know. I, I this is the best he's ever looked it, by far. I think we can all safely say that. Whether yeah. he's going to do it against the NFL competition in an NFL game and put up a hundred yards in a game or whatever, it remains to be seen. But it's clearly the best that he's looked. So this is again why I'm saying sell high. I you know. He's not going to have any more value than he does right now. So the question really boils down to you. I mentioned who who is he in competition? You know, who could he be in on the right? Are you really right. keeping Christian Wilkerson at this point over Nikhil Harry? Because I think that that's really what we're talking about here. So, right. Am I? I really like what I've seen from Nikhil. Will yeah. Bill? Bill's going to keep the guy who wants to play all four special teams phases instead of 21 special team snaps over two years. Let's be honest. It's not what I would do. It's what Bill would do. Right. Bill's going right. to keep the special for the fourth wide receiver on the depth chart. Bill's going to keep the special teams guy. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I have a really tough time, especially just there. You do I'm not have saying to, it's easy to, you have to factor in a little bit. You have to factor in a little bit that this guy was a first round pick, right? Like, and, and I'm not saying that that's the end all be all and you have to keep them because of sunken cost and stuff like that. But it's at least a factor right in the equation that you invested a lot in this player not only with the pick but also since then probably in terms of practice time and reps and and all all just kind of just effort right and to get this player to work out he's starting to finally figure it out and turn a corner i don't know i i I just it's hard to just give up on a player like that so I know this isn't quite apples to apples, and I know that there's a little bit of a difference between a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Duke Dawson was the 56th overall pick. Yeah. He was traded a year later for a sixth-round pick. They'll give up on him if they don't believe in him. And if they believed in him, I don't think you would have had that nonsense with the trade request. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I think Christian Wilkerson's had a nice camp. Don't get me wrong. But maybe I, this is that we keep on picking on this poor guy. Maybe this is a little bit of the Maurice Harris thing. I, for but, me, but it's not. Right, where I, just don't, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall for the training camp star, right? The training camp breakout player that, that nobody's ever heard of that just comes on in training camp and has, a, a, you know, some, some good practices and make some plays in camp. And we all get all juiced up and excited for Christian Wilkerson. And then when it, it turns out that 
he's a borderline NFL player in the coaching staff size. But I don't think I don't think that's what this is. I I really don't think that's what Wilkerson is because it's not about oh look at this guy making all these catches. It's it's basic stuff. He's just a guy who seems very technically sound. And again, a lot of if it was just Christian Wilkerson doing what he's doing as a wide receiver, I'd agree with you. I would say okay, this is us getting hyped up over some guy because he's beating the bat, the back corners on the depth chart, and that's what it is. He's emphatic about wanting to play all four special teams phases. He is working one-on-one with Matthew Slater on a regular basis. Slater has raved about him. Yeah. That's what this is. This isn't, uh, hey, look at, the, look at the kicking game thing is going to have them tra- trade a guy that has real talent and to kill yeah. Harry. That's just yeah. killer. That's a killer. But couldn't you see, again, like, was Duke Dawson not a talented player? Duke Dawson. No, no, no. With Duke Dawson Broncos hasn't sense. done anything. In, in he's Denver stuck on for, the roster. He's stuck on the roster yes. for three years there. That's so fair. So he's clearly doing something. And I just, it, I, I think a lot of Belichick, I've, t- I've talked about this before, as unpredictable as people like to say Bill Belichick is, when you do something for 22 years, patterns develop. And what the patterns tell me are, they are going to find a way to keep Christian Wilkerson on the roster. The patterns tell He's, you that they're going to take the guy that wants to play his role and and play the fourth wide receiver role and play in the kicking game, four or five different units potentially, and be active on game day because he's going to play on special teams and be and be a backup Z receiver to Jacoby Myers and Bourne and Aguilar, and they're going to mix and match that group. So I always get confused as who's you know what spot. But right. point being, Nikhil's a true X. And he's playing now like a true X. And I think, I think Aguilar is is going to be their starting X at the end of the day. But he's more of a guy that I would like to see them be able to move around a little bit. Because when you move him inside the formation, I think he is going to be able to uh, create big plays off of deep crossing routes and stuff like that from a condensed split or inside the formation. He's the only guy that gives them size and explosiveness on the outside period on the, in the wide receiver room, right? Like he's the only guy, unless they're going to start right. throwing Henry and Johnny Smith out there. And I, I would even say Henry, who's really, really good for other reasons, not, not so much the most explosive guy, right? You know, he, he's not coming off right. the line and really testing coverage in that sense. And I, I've seen it from Nikhil this, this summer that he's actually, exploding off the line of scrimmage a little bit and creating some speed down the field. I don't know. It just, so if they trade to kill Harry and keep Christian Wilkerson, it's the most Belichick thing ever. And it's, it's classic bill. But if they do that, then I'm going to be a little bit bummed out because I think the kill Harry's got potential. So first off, I would say, isn't it our job? You know, at least what I try to do, I'm not telling you what I would do because that ultimately doesn't matter. I'm not the one making the decisions. I'm here telling you what I think the team will do based on how the team has acted. So again, you're not necessarily disagreeing with me. You're just saying that it's right. an unfortunate outcome. Um, I would say too, you you talked about the Maurice Harris effect and not wanting to get caught up on the hot wide receiver of training camp. Isn't that Nikhil Harry? Is like, but I, Nikhil I, Harry is the first round kind pick. Of, Nikhil the, Harry, we know has physical God-given talent, right? Like we know that Nikhil Harry is a talented football player. It just hasn't all clicked for him at the NFL level. Christian Wilkerson is the definition of the guy that we talk about this time of year, right? He's Maurice Harris. He's, you know, he's that player, right? I I can't think of another example. So we keep on. Well, I I can't think of another one. Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers. Maybe he is more more Jacoby ends up. We we can't, we'll have to wait and see. 
I, I guess it ends up being more of that. I guess my point is, and this is somewhat of a disingenuous argument, but I'm going to make it anyway. If the Patriots signed some first former first round pick or traded for some former first round pick who had fallen off with this team and was brought in and was doing what Nikhil's doing, we'd be talking about, all right, like, yeah, can he do it? Again? Like, we'd be questioning it. We'd be questioning it a ton. And obviously that's not what they did. Nikhil was already here, but you talk about how can you be so into Christian Wilkerson when all he's really shown you is two good weeks of camp. I could ask you the same about Nikhil Harry. How can you be so into Nikhil Harry when all he's really shown you is two good weeks of camp? I'm not saying cut Nikhil Harry. I'm not saying he's a bad player. They by no means should let him go for nothing. Sure. If, it's, if it's cut him or keep him, you keep him and you figure something else out. I, I do think he's a good player. I'm just saying what this team does historically, what it looks like they are trying to do with the roster. You can get, you can keep Wilkerson who this team clearly likes and then you can get something for Nikhil Harry, and that's the other thing that's lost in this. They don't have a ton of early day three picks next year because they've moved them in, in various trades, and they like those picks. If Nikhil Harry plays like this in the preseason, you you can probably get a top 150 pick for him. You might be yeah. able to trade him to a contender for a fourth-round pick. I think you could certainly trade him to a bad team for a fifth-round pick. So that's the other part of the equation is – we know next year's draft is absolutely loaded, right? We, we saw it this year. Teams are hoarding picks in that draft. Right. You're not losing Nikhil Harry for nothing. You're not totally giving up on the investment. You're not getting the return for the investment that you wanted, but you, you know, you're not losing him. And the other thing, somebody said Wilkerson could be snuck to the practice squad. I don't, I don't know so. about that. I'm not, I'm not so. sold on it either. I yeah. mean, it depends like on you're, how, you're, you're how much one. they show him, right? It depends on how much they show him off in the preseason right. or not. Because if you put him up against third and fourth corners in preseason games, he's he's re- he's he's beating guys like Jalen Mills, J.C. Jackson in practice a little bit as well. Like, I, I don't know if that's going to happen now. Uh, lastly, I want to talk about Adrian Phillips because this has been the summer of Adrian Phillips, right? Like this is, this is as good as I think anybody could ever have expected Adrian Phillips to look today. Another interception, a big pass breakup in the end zone on a seam ball from Johnny Smith or uh, from Cam Newton to Johnny Smith. Uh, he's got to be up to something like a dozen pass breakups in, in coverage so far in training camp through 11 days. Uh, he has been lockdown like lights out on both hunter henry and Janu. I, I didn't see this coming i knew adrian phillips is a good football player but i didn't quite see this level coming he he has really been the star of training camp so far out you know not not obviously by name recognition but just in terms of the way that he has played i, I would been say the been, been the best player on the field especially in the defensive backfield i would say yeah he's been excellent and you see what i, I have talked about this before that extra year of experience he's been in the system now right and he knows what he's doing and he talked about how helpful that's been having that opportunity he's really able to unlock what he's doing and he was a good player with the chargers like i think he was on he played on some bad chargers teams i think he maybe flew under the and one of them made the playoffs but they weren't really a good team yeah i think he flew under the radar with chargers a little bit and then he came in here last year and he had essentially learned a new position and he handled it well i mean he he said that he was still learning things partway through the year but he feels comfortable now. He feels confident. You can you can see it. I mean, he's been excellent day to day, like consistently. It's not like he flashed for a couple of days and then disappeared and then flashed again. No, every single day he's going out there and he's making plays. 
Yeah, he has made play after play after play against Janu, against Hunter Henry. This is not like he's going up against David Wells and and, and Matt Lacoste and Devin Asiasi and, and making these plays, right? He's going up against right. the two big ticket free agent signings for the Patriots and making these plays. The other thing that I love about this is that if Adrian Phillips is going to sort of develop more so into like a Patrick Chung type player for them where he's going to guard tight ends, maybe play some strong safety, I think this is really going to allow Kyle Duggar to just do what I've been pounding the table for and just kind of roam around a little bit more and not necessarily be pigeonholed to covering tight ends. If Adrian Phillips can do it at a high level, I love the idea of playing Kyle Duggar either at that money backer position or moving him back into the secondary and having him play as sort of another deep safety opposite of Devin McCourty, right. And being able to move him around a little bit, Uh, but I I love the the idea of Kyle Duggar being sort of a chess piece for Bill Belichick and Adrian Phillips kind of being put into that role as that Patrick Chung has left behind. And and I think that's going to be very good for the Patriots if they can do that with their secondary. I think that's going to be the get the best out of all of these players. Right. I I think Kyle Duggar is more natural in that role as sort of a roamer, as a free kind of player in the middle of the defense. And I think that Adrian Phillips is a really good cover guy, it turns out. And he has just been great so far all of training camp making plays left and right so uh it'll be fun to see uh, him out there as well um i think that about does it do you have anything else that you wanted to touch on i i think we we covered it pretty good there the patriots as alex mentioned as he's thinking about this is uh they'll be back out at practice on tuesday he said forward now instead of 3 30 uh that one's in the stadium right so that that one will be an in-stadium practice but it is still open to everybody it's open to the entire public so if you want to come out to patriots practice tomorrow four o'clock inside gillette stadium they've been in pads for two straight days i I don't know if they'll put pads on for three straight days especially with the game on thursday so probably get a non-padded practice tomorrow afternoon but still it'll be worth it it was a fun time on friday night fans in the stands again it was at least it, it's kind of a sense of normalcy almost to to have to have yeah. the atmosphere back. So tomorrow night in the stadium, obviously Thursday night in Gillette Stadium as well, the opener against Washington uh, in terms of preseason games. Alex and I are going to have you covered. We're going to do a preview podcast on Wednesday. We're going to do a recap podcast on Friday after Thursday night's preseason opener against Washington. I'm really fascinated to see how much the starters play on Thursday night because we've been – 11 training camp practices in you only have four padded practices so far, Alex, like they, they, they don't have a ton of live reps yet in training camp. So maybe we will right. see some more of the starters. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, there's been instances where coaches will talk and kind of agree how intense they want the preseason game to be in terms of like how much you're using starters and all that. And Ron Rivera already came out and said, he's going to play his guys. And right. I wouldn't be surprised if there's been a little communication between him and bill and, um, you know, I, if I had to guess quarter and change for the Patriots offensive starters, I think they play the first quarter and then give them one more drive just to get used to the quarter change and going the other way. Um, but, but we'll see, there's going to be a game where they play a full half. I think might be the second, might be the third. I don't think it's going to be this one, but it might be Bill might just want to get it over with and be done. Um, the one other point I had, I did want to make, which was interesting is we finally got to ask Bill, but we did offense and defense. We finally got to ask Bill Belichick about Quinn Nordine today. And 
I mean, it was interesting. He, yeah. he, he was complimentary, but he did, you know, somebody said this stood out to me. He hasn't really been tested. It was ideal conditions in the stadium. There wasn't much of a pass rush. And that tells me they're not totally sold on him yet. And we don't know what's wrong with Nick Folk, what his issue is, why he's not practicing. But I'm not, you know, I think after that practice, a lot of people were ready to kind of make the call that Nordine's going to be the guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I love to jump all over the rookie UDFA kickers, right? You know me, but I'm, I, the door's still open, certainly, but I'm not ready to to go there yet and say that Nordine's past folk. I still think he's got a ways to go. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. And 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 Belichick was compliment typical Belichick fashion with Quinn Nordine, right? Give him a compliment, compliment sandwich, right? You give him a compliment, then right, you right. tell him he sucks, and then you give him another compliment, right? You know, so there, there's still some growing there to do with Quinn Nordine. But as I mentioned, Alex and I will be back. Definitely on Wednesday, if there's an eventful practice tomorrow night, we'll hop on on here and, and do another breakdown of Tuesday's practice. I know Alex is going to want to do one, so so maybe we'll we'll sneak one in tomorrow night as I think well. We should. All right. Well, we'll, we'll definitely be back uh, soon uh, to break down everything that's happening down there at training camp and also uh, Thursday night preseason opener 98.5 the sports hub for Alex with his coverage clnsmedia.com as always for my coverage but until then signing off for Alex Barth I'm Ed, and Evan Lazar I'm Evan Lazar thanks for watching everybody we'll see you soon